arguably the greatest NFL coach ever and the greatest college football coach ever are moving on. Plus, it looked for one day that things were settling down at ESPN, but yesterday things got much crazier. It's Friday, January 12th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. diving into everything going on with legendary football coaches Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, and Pete Carroll with the incredibly insightful Andrew Brandt. First, let's check in on ESPN. If you've been listening to the show or paying attention to any of a wide swath of media sources and not just sports media, you're aware of the fight between star quarterback and public conspiracy theorist Aaron Rodgers and late night show host Jimmy Kimmel. Rodgers has been using Pat McAfee's show on ESPN, where he has a regular appearance on Tuesdays as his platform. On Wednesday, following another controversial appearance by Rodgers, McAfee said this. So Aaron Rodgers Tuesday season four is uh, done. Yeah. Ah, Complete. Good season. There's going to be a lot of people that are happy with that, myself included, to be honest. With the way (laughs) it ended, it got real loud Mm -hmm. and uh, real loud. I'm happy that that is not going to be my mentions going forward. Mm -hmm. So McAfee is saying things were getting heavy. We're just taking a break. It will be a relief for everyone. Rodgers presumably will be back at some point, and hopefully things will have cooled off by then. Then on Thursday, so one day later, McAfee was back on the air, and this happened. He's a four-time NFL MVP and a man who is a Super Bowl champion. Ladies and gentlemen, the last human that Bill Belichick talked to on the field as the New England Patriots head coach Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers Tuesday was getting too hot, but apparently Aaron Rodgers Thursday is a completely separate thing, and McAfee seemed to see no reason to acknowledge that the thing that was happening was something he said was not going to happen the day before. And he introduced Rodgers as the person you would naturally want to talk to when Bill Belichick leaves the Patriots and Nick Saban retires. I feel safe in saying that McAfee is trolling us. And by us, I mean everyone who has been following this whole storyline as a media member or just as an interested watcher. What I would like to know is if people at ESPN feel the same way. Because if they do, that could have implications for McAfee and his future at the network. That's plenty for the folks in Bristol to chew on. But for my money, it's not even the craziest thing that happened at ESPN on Thursday. Katie Strang of The Athletic published a story on how for years ESPN would submit fake names to the Emmys Some of those fake people won Emmys, and then someone would re-engrave the Emmy Award into one of their on-air talents, and then send the statuette to that person and say, congratulations, you won an Emmy. Here's how this worked. ESPN would submit names to be considered for Emmy Awards, both for on-air talent and the people behind the scenes. But the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, which gives out the awards, didn't let the same people qualify for both. So ESPN would submit names of associate producers, such as Lee Clark. And if Lee Clark wins the Emmy, that's great for him, or it would be if he were a real person. ESPN then gets sent the award, and someone takes it into a shop, and Lee Clark becomes Lee Corso. Kirk Henry becomes Kirk Herbstreet. Dirk Howard becomes Desmond Howard. Linda Cohn appears to have recently been under the impression that she has won four Emmy awards when the Academy said she has won only one. According to Strang, ESPN admitted to the scheme after being asked to verify names by the Academy. There's no evidence that any of the on-air talent knew what was going on. They would just get an unceremonious Emmy in the mail. ESPN deserves most of the attention here, but the Academy deserves some. This was a very solvable issue that ESPN took advantage of for at least 14 years. And finally, Caitlin Clark is making sellouts happen everywhere she goes. We maybe could have seen this coming after an exhibition basketball game at Iowa's Kinnick Stadium drew over 55,000 people in October, 
But now that we're into the actual college basketball season, Iowa's road games are huge draws. Wisconsin's women's team averages around 4,500 people per home game. When Iowa came to town, the attendance was over 14,000. Rutgers usually draws around 2,600 fans. Against Iowa last week, it was a sellout crowd of 8,000. Purdue averages around 4,800 fans, but on Wednesday, there was a sellout crowd of 14,867 to watch the hometown Boilermakers get crushed by the Hawkeyes. Clark has endorsement deals with Nike, Gatorade, Buick, Bose, State Farm, and more. She's the most recognizable person in women's basketball right now, and she'll be huge for attendance and ratings this year. Next year, we'll see if she can do the same for the WNBA. Up next, I spoke to Andrew Brandt, who has many years of experience working for the Green Bay Packers. He's also spent time as a player representative, and he provides some excellent insight on the departures of Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, and Pete Carroll, and the incredible number of NFL coaching vacancies right now. And that conversation is coming up next. All right, very pleased to be welcoming back to the show Andrew Brandt, Executive Director of the Morad Center for Sports Law at Villanova University, host of the Business of Sports podcast, and author of the Sunday 7 newsletter. Welcome, Andrew. Good to be with you, Owen. Always, uh, we always seem to have something to talk about these days. I, I know. The moment you think, you know, the, the wave has crested and we're heading into other things, other topics... Uh, the, the wave rises again. Uh, so I, I guess let's start with Bill Belichick. It, it's been rumored for a long time, suspected that this might have been his last year with the Patriots. Now it is official that he will, will no longer be with that organization, at least not as a head coach. Um, why was this the time for Belichick to move on? It's hard to know what makes this year different than other years. Obviously, the performance on the field was really poor, and it's hard to say that is the reason because this seems to be a declining team whose first-round quarterback a couple years ago doesn't appear to be working out, was third string, was inactive the last couple games. Um, it, you know, you just got the feeling. Obviously, we're, we've had a few years post-Brady but you just got the feeling this was winding down, whether it was from the Kraft side, the ownership, or whether from the Belichick side, or I think maybe both, maybe both. It's sometimes in life, this was Brady and the Patriots. This was Rodgers and the Packers. This is, it's time. And there's no kind of analytical reason you can really get into. It's just a feeling it's time. I think, Owen, you know, we're talking about the business of sports, you and I all the time. The one thing that strikes me about Belichick in the business of football, having been involved in this in the NFL, is that he is the only, the only person that I've seen successful in the dual role of head coach and general manager. There are a lot of people that have tried. And when I was with the Packers, we had one, a guy named Mike Sherman, who used to tell me, Andrew, I'm going to make you the bad guy here. I got to make you the bad guy. Because this is why it's so hard, because a coach... Number one, a coach is very short-term. Can we win this week? Can we win next week? Can we get to the playoffs? And a GM is extremely long-term. Are we going to play young players? What's our outlook? How are we going forward? Where are we in the draft next year? So that's hard. And then a coach has to have someone motivated, run through a wall for them, inspire them, whereas a GM has to be emotionally detached because you're going to cut them. Are you going to pay cut them? Are you going to do something with their contract? Belichick is the only one that's been really successful at that. Now, you could say because he's kind of a jerk and he's kind of emotionally detached, maybe. I just think it's because he's brilliant. He's brilliant. We can debate whether this pick's good or that pick's good or this coaching move, but he combined both in a way that I don't know if we'll ever see that again. 
Yeah, you know, there's there's been this sort of long-term debate of like, was it more Brady or was it more Belichick? And obviously, you know, it was both. But, you know, Brady left and he won a, a Super Bowl. And then when Belichick was without Brady, the, the thing just kind of like ran into the ground a little bit. I feel like that undercuts, yeah, how, how brilliant Belichick was and, you know, presumably still is. Do you think he's going to be, I mean, we don't know what's in his head right now, but uh, there are a lot of openings right now. Do you think, you know, he, he's going to be, do you see any situations of the open teams where he, he might be, um, you know, looking for his next job? Yeah, I mean, I sense that he's not done. I mean, we're going to talk about Saban and we're going to talk about Carroll and we're talking about guys in their early 70s and everyone can sort of see, oh, well, it's sort of right off into the sunset. I I don't see that with Belichick or Carroll when we talk about him. It's just kind of like somewhere else. Uh, I just see him coaching. And (laughs) I hate to make this sound unfriendly, but he doesn't seem to have a lot of other interests. And he is all in on coaching. He's, you know, when you hear him kind of off the cuff, when he's not talking about the Patriots, it's always about kind of football history and this player from 1985 and this team from 1975. So I don't see Bill Belichick moving away from football. Now, at the worst, maybe he's some kind of senior consultant or advisor, but I think he wants to coach. And again, There's going to be speculation about different teams and what teams are moving towards Belichick, away from Belichick, would never consider Belichick, might consider Belichick. That'll all play out in the next week. And do you think he's going to effectively insist on that same kind of dual role of like, I'm going to be the coach, but I'm also going to be essentially making personnel moves? My sense is no. My sense is going to be a little less demanding on that front, as long as... He trusts, likes, gets along with, probably knows for years the person that is in that senior personnel role. You know, I can't see Bill Belichick walking in with a staff of personnel evaluators that he doesn't know. That like, hey, who's this guy? You know, I just think it's more if Belichick's going in somewhere, there's going to be relationships that have already been there. Tom Brady is, I don't know if the, the the signature has been signed yet, but he's supposed to be entering, you know, into an ownership role with the Raiders. We could, and of course they've got, uh, they have an interim coach who I think is much loved and, you know, it'd be nice to see him just continue. Anyway, there is that potential connection, but obviously not the only, not the only option out there. Um, let's hop over to, to Nick Saban. So he's, you know, retiring after possibly the most incredible coaching career in college football. Uh, I, I guess I'll just ask, what, what was your, your initial reaction to hear Saban is moving down? I think like a lot on. of people love sort of legend, losing a legend. And, you know, in pro sports, when you think of a franchise, you really think of a player. And maybe Belichick's an, ex- an exception to that. But in college sports, you think of a coach. You know, there's when you think Alabama football, you can come up with the names of Tua and – all these great players, but no, you think of, you think of that guy. Saban is, a, is Alabama football. So losing the face of the best program in the country, losing the face of football. And my story, Owen, is that I knew and got to know a little bit Nick Saban, not from college football, from pro football. When I'm at the Packers, he's at the Miami Dolphins for, I believe, two years. And I just remember owners' meetings where I look over at the coaches' gatherings and Nick Saban is holding court 
you know, like he's regaling all these pro coaches, these old grizzled NFL coaches with stories from college. And then he's saying, oh, you got that guy, you know, that he coached at LSU. I'll tell you about him. I got some stories on him. And you, you got that guy. I coached him. Wow. You should see his family. Like, it's like, okay, wow. But as everyone knows, it didn't last because there's a guy that just felt like he was best served in college. And he, and I think it was only two years with the Dolphins. In terms of Alabama, what Alabama does now, do you think they need to find their, their next long-term guy right now? Do they, do they just find someone who, you know, works and then they, they do the big search? What, what's their next move? Well, you know, one thing is, I talk about this a lot. I've heard you talk it with Amanda Kristovich a lot, the changes. And I think there's some, some buzz out there that Nick didn't want to deal with all this, you know, the NIL, the buying players, what's going on out there. I think there's probably some truth to that. I'm close with Jay Wright. He saw what was ahead in college basketball. You see it with Krzyzewski. You see it with some of these older coaches. Maybe that's part of it. So I guess what Alabama would look for is someone that is not against any of this or not resisting any of this. Like we're in, you know, and I think it just seems to be one of those places where you're going to, you're going to hire lineage people that have had experience. They're not, I'm finding out just listening. Kirby smart was at Alabama. Steve Sarkisian was at Alabama. Lane Kiffin was at Alabama. They're going to have a a whole breadth of people, Bill O'Brien, just so many names that were there that'll just line up. But in terms of timing, Owen, I mean, this is what we're talking about. I would think these players are being poached right now with big NIL packages. It's a mess. It's everything we talk about the Wild West in college football. I'm sure it's happening right now. But do these players really want to go somewhere besides Alabama? Yeah. And I did just see, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm don't know the name offhand, but they just lost a recruit, Alabama. Someone just decommitted because they said, oh, if Saban's out, you know, uh, then that's that's a different story. Yeah. And because it's so competitive year to year, like you, you don't, if you're Alabama, you don't want to take a, a down year. I mean, no one wants to take a down year, but, you know, there's they're such a, a, a program with such a history and, you know, so built on football. Um, yeah, you, you really don't want to miss a beat if you can. It's got to happen fast because let's say it is, you know, I'm just speculating. Don't don't quote me. Let's say it's like Steve Sarkeesian. Then you've got this this domino with Texas, and they're going to lose all the Texas recruits because that's got to happen really fast. I mean, the way that college football is right now, here we are in the the season's over, so everyone's being poached and it's craziness. So I think it will happen really fast. Yeah, uh-huh. and let's hop over to yet another. Um, you know, big historical name that uh, is. Um, moving on, this one's less clear. You know, it did was it his decision? Was it the org's decision? They kind of framed it as we had a conversation and we decided this is the best path forward. Pete Carroll um, will no longer be the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. He will stay in the organization as in an advisory role. Um, yeah, w- what's your reaction here? And and do you think this was um, something where the org felt like we need a new voice in here? I do, and I don't. I think what you're saying is is not exactly right. I think that it's clear he wanted to stay, and they didn't want him to stay. And obviously, they're not dumping him out on the street. He can do whatever he wants, but he's not with the organization. He's not going to coach. And again, this is someone that is a legendary figure in the NFL and college football. I mean, this is, you know, 
again, I have these little stories of my interactions, Owen. So I was general manager of something called the Barcelona Dragons 30-something years ago. And one of the guys I interviewed to be head coach was a defensive assistant from the Jets named Pete Carroll. Even back then, I'm like, oh, this guy is just like out there with positivity and energy. And he's like, Andrew, this is really cool, but I'm not going to Spain. I'm like, okay. But uh, that has that's my image of Carroll. Positivity, always a sanguine approach, eternally positive, and loves the players. And the one thing Pete did that people in the NFL kind of scoffed at, but he brought in and still does bring in a mindfulness coach, a life coach type, uh, a positivity coach, Michael Gervais, who's like a self-development, self-help coach. So he was really into that, is really into that. I think that'll probably stay around the Seahawks. Um, but what a legend. And 72 years old, 72 years young. As an older guy myself, I'm trying to aspire to be that always young guy that Pete Carroll is. So he will be missed league-wide. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I don't specifically track the Seahawks in any capacity other than you know, tracking the NFL generally. But he's, he's one of those guys you just kind of like – He's nice to see there on the mm-hmm. sidelines. And yeah, it'll be a little different not having him around. Um, I asked this, I talked to Matt Miller yesterday. We're like, oh, so much NFL stuff. Let's let's uh, talk to him at ESPN. Yeah. And then as soon as we were finished recording, yeah, the, the Saban news happened, the Belichick news happened, and, and the Carroll news happened all right in a row. So this is the same question, but a different question. Anyway, we've got so many uh, coaching openings uh, right now. Falcons, Chargers, Panthers, Titans, Commanders. Raiders, if they do move on from their interim coach, Seahawks, now the Patriots. Um, if you are, let's say, a um, an in-demand coach who may, might have some options, what do you think is the, the best uh, available option here? Mm-hmm. It's a tough one. I mean, I, I think I just need to say what you just said in a different way. Eight coaching openings. That's one quarter at least, 25%. Think about that. I mean, if that happened every year, it's <laughs> the league turns over every four years. It's just amazing um, with so much money being paid out to coaches that are fired, et cetera. Um, you know, I think I'm a hometown Washingtonian, and I know there's been so much stain on that franchise, but they're coming out of it. And I like the fact they kind of went to Bob Myers and they went to people that could advise Josh Harris on bringing in the right coach. It's not going to be Belichick. It's going to be someone they spent a lot of time on in terms of building a culture. Um, I also like the opening for this team that has always been maligned because of coaching (laughs) mistakes, uh, the LA Chargers. I just think they're a very talented team and they've got what everyone wants, a young ascending quarterback. Um, I like the opportunity there as well. So I'd probably look at those two. Okay, yeah, I think that's actually exactly what Matt Miller said. Okay. So we're in alignment there. Um, and and I'll, I'll throw you the, the flip side question. Um, is there one where it's like, oh, I really want to coach in the NFL, but uh, like, I guess, you know, um, this is sort of the bottom of the barrel of this particular eight team barrel. Um, <laughs> what, what gives you the most trepidation of those those openings? Well, I have no doubt. I'm, I'm agree with him or anyone who answers this question. <laughs> with, with yeah, the I think I know where we're going. Last time I was yeah. on with you, like it was a week ago, about David Tepper, yeah. the Carolina yeah. Panthers, obviously. But um, you know, you could look at it the other way too. Uh, nowhere to go but up. Uh, number one pick quarterback that obviously has not shown much, but if you get him to perform, that's great. 
Um, so you can always frame these in different ways. And Tepper is whatever we think of him. He has unlimited funds, so he's willing to spend money. Um, so I guess we'll look at that. And and again, I will say one that maybe doesn't pop out. You know, the Raiders seem to be doing well on the upswing, whether Antonio Pierce gets that job or not. But they seem impetuous too. Uh, Mark Davis fired a coach early this year. He may fire his interim coach, who's popular with everyone. He kind of talks to the players a lot, and that's what got him to fire McDaniel's. That may get him to hire Pierce. If you're a coach, I don't think you want to be having the owner go to the players about you. So I'd be a little hesitant of that. But having said all this, there are only 32 jobs in the world. You know, this idea that some coach is not going to go somewhere because whatever. Now, if it's Bill Belichick or someone with gravitas, maybe. But a young coach, I don't think a young coach is turning down any <laughs> head coaching job in the NFL. So sometimes that's overblown. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. And yeah, you mentioned this a quarter of the league now has an open coaching position. Is this just, you know, we're going to see these confluences of, you know, it just happens that the the this is how the dice rolled of uh, this particular year? Or is there something, to, you know structural or you know changes in the league where we're going to see uh, more churn other than these like long-term guys this, like Belichick who last forever yeah I mean I think it's just what I talk about every day it's the business of the NFL gets bigger and bigger it's booming skyrocketing values of franchises of six billion now and and going up and with those kind of investments there's no patience um, there's just no patience and yes if, do I have to pay off a coaching staff and tens of millions of dollars? Okay. You know, it's, it's like these college college boosters are doing the same thing with Jimbo Fisher and everything else. It's like, okay. Like in the past, I just don't think we had those resources. I, I don't think a coach would, yeah, but I'm going to have to pay 10 million, you know, to this coach. Uh, now it's just, it's no worries. It's not for long. This started a few years ago with the Browns firing Chadzinski after one year, Steve Wilkes after one year, Lovey Smith after one year in Houston. And now it's kind of common. We saw Brandon Staley. We saw Frank Reich. We saw Josh McDaniels. I mean, that's almost half the openings uh, happening midseason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and before we let you go, I'll just let you be a fan for a minute. Um, NFL playoffs are starting. What are you most looking forward to watching? 11 years in Green Bay, Owen, oh, I'm, I'm so biased. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, that's what and, being a fan is. <laughs> yeah, I am biased, obviously, and we're playing our old the coach I hired 15 years ago, Mike McCarthy. Um, I'd love to see the Packers continue this unexpected run, but I'm going to go chalk. You know, I'm going to go chalk. I think the two teams that are one seeds playing two home games to get to the Super Bowl, I think it's going to be hard for anyone to come out of this besides Niners and Ravens. Yeah. All right. It should be fascinating. That'll be a rematch from, what was it, 10 years ago or so, 12 years ago. Um, Andrew Brandt, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Always enjoy it. Thanks, Owen. That's it for today. Stay safe if you're experiencing any crazy weather in your area. We'll be off on Monday. Enjoy the long weekend. Thanks for listening, and we will see you on Tuesday.